Get ready for a one-of-a-kind experience. Welcome, welcome to the Starter Zone, your home for the weekly news from around the world. Your host for this journey, Amanda. And that's why coffee's for grown-ups. She's going to bring you everything you need to hear about entertainment, gaming, and maybe just a little bit bizarre. Hold tight, because here she comes. Well, thank you so much, Raven, for that beautiful introduction. And hello there, my friends. Good day to you all. Welcome back to the Starter Zone. I am your host, Amanda. So today is the 23rd of February. We're almost done with this month already. We've got ourselves a very heavy show of entertainment. Lots of headlines to check out, so let's get to it. We have a band reunion that we're getting excited about. Golfing royalty is about to shoot his shot. We've got some legal issues to discuss, some arrests, some sentencings. We've got a new media deal to talk about and some odd stories to cover. Get comfy, everyone. Let's get started. Let's get this party started with some music news. Ladies and gentlemen, fans of all things metal, this is not a drill. This is actually a podcast, but that's not what's important right now. What is important is that Slayer has officially reunited and they've announced their first shows back. These are going to take place later this year at Chicago's Riot Fest and Kentucky's Louder Than Life Festival. Y'all do remember Slayer, right? Well, if that doesn't get your blood moving, switch to decaf. Slayer played the final show of their original farewell tour at the Forum in Inglewood, California, back on November the 30th of 2019. Riot Fest is set to take place, I think it's in September, September 20th through the 22nd, and it will mark Slayer's return to the stage after nearly five years. They're also one of four headliners that are set to perform at Louder Than Life, which takes place September 26th through the 29th at the Highland Festival Grounds at the Kentucky Exposition Center in Louisville. Now, Slipknot, Motley Crue, and Korn are the other three headliners for the event. I might actually have to road trip this one because that is a heck of a lineup. Okay, so why are the metalheads excited about this one? Well, a little bit of background. Slayer is an American thrash metal band from Huntington, California, and they were formed back in 1981. They have a very fast, aggressive musical style that made them one of the big four bands of thrash metals alongside Metallica, Meg- Megadeth, and Anthrax. Now, they've released 12 studio albums, three live albums. They've got a box set, music videos. Uh, four of their studio albums have received gold certification in the U.S., 
And they sold about 5 million copies in the U.S. between 1991 and 2013. They've gotten five Grammy nominations, uh, winning one in 2007, and it was for the song Eyes of the Insane. And then they got another one in 2008 for their song Final Six. After more than three decades of recording and performing together, Slayer announced back in January of 2018 that they were going to be doing their farewell tour. And that took place between May of 2018 and November of 2019, and they disbanded. But now they're back. And while so far these are the only performances that have been announced, it is unclear whether they're going to tour or release new music again. Their last album, Repentless, came out in 2015. So, fingers crossed. And speaking of hopes and dreams, let's go check out the uh, sports news. Well, well, move over, Tiger Woods. There may be a new star in the PGA. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. That's your kid. Charlie Woods, the son of 15-time major winner Tiger Woods, will compete in a pre-qualifier event as he bids to secure a place in the PGA Tour's Cognizant Classic next week in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. The 15-year-old Woods will play in an 18-hole event at Lost Lake Golf Club in Hobie Sound, one of four pre-qualifying sites. Approximately 25 players and ties from each of the four sites will advance to a qualifier on the 26th of February, from which four players will earn spots in the Cognizant Classic that will take place on the 29th of February through March the 3rd at PGA National Resort. Among those in the field for the Cognizant Classic are major winners Rory McIlroy, Shane Lowry, Matt Fitzpatrick, and Justin Rose. Now, Woods is scheduled to tee off at about 7.39 a.m. Eastern Time alongside Olin Brown, who is the son of three-time PGA Tour winner Olin Brown. Now, Woods has competed with his father in the last four editions of the PNC Championship, which is a 36-hole event featuring two-player teams made up of a major champion and a family member. They finished runner-up in 2021. Tiger Woods himself, he who had entered the year aiming to play one event a month, has already had to withdraw during the second round of last week's Genesis Invitational at Riviera due to the flu. I understand. That brought it a very abrupt end to his first PGA Tour start since the Masters last April. Now, on a sad note, it was announced yesterday that freestyle motocross athlete Jaden Jayo Archer, an X Games medalist and the first rider to perform a triple backflip in competition, passed away while practicing the trick Wednesday, the 21st of February, in his hometown of Melbourne, Australia. He was 27. A beloved member of the Australian motocross community and the Nitro Circus, the action sports media brand started by multi-sport star Travis Pastrana, Archer was known for pushing the progression of freestyle motocross at a time when there was little external reward for doing so. He just wanted to do it. Pastrana told ESPN, this really hit home. 
Jayo grew up in a time when action sports was at its biggest, and he always wanted to do the big stuff, like the double and the triple, even though there weren't a lot of places to showcase these bigger tricks. But he'd get up every morning at 4 a.m. and go to the gym before work so he could ride his dirt bike. And when he came home to Maryland to train, he stayed at my house and was an incredible role model to my kids. He was a great human first, a hard worker second, and a bad MFer third. Archer was one of only three riders ever to land the triple backflip on a dirt bike. And Archer became the first rider to land the trick in competition back in November of 2022, when he landed it during best trick at Nitro World Games in Brisbane, Australia. Later that day, Archer said, I cannot describe this feeling. There is, this is so much more than a trick to me. I've dedicated my entire life the last three years to this moment. And there were a lot of obstacles and broken bones and knockouts. And I would do it 100 times over to relive that moment again. After the interview, Archer took the microphone, knelt down on one knee, and then proposed to his girlfriend, Beth King, who was standing nearby. The couple was engaged to be married later this year. A member of the Nitro Circuits for more than a decade, Archer performed in his first show back in 2012 and worked as, as an assistant mechanic for several years before rising to be one of his stars. He last performed that triple backflip publicly at the Nitro Circus live show in Jay, Oklahoma back in June of 2023, then was working on becoming the first rider to land the quadruple backflip. A two-time X Games medalist and a suspension technician and mechanic for Raceline Performance, at Factory Husqvarna Racing in Australia, Archer took bronze in best trick at last summer's X Games California in Ventura. Our condolences to his friends, his family, especially his fiance Beth King. That triple backflip, it's an impressive trick, but good grief, it is so scary to watch. I mean, look, honestly, all of those tricks look really scary. But I will admit, I admire the guts and the athleticism. You just don't really understand what they put their bodies through to make those those tricks happen. So, super sad news out of the world of motocross. All right, guys, time to switch it up. Let's go ahead and check out some entertainment news. We covered the first part of this next story back in August of last year. Ruby Frank. And if you don't remember who this is, let me refresh your memory. Ruby was a momfluencer. You know, the, the people that use their kids to get famous. Look, I'm not condemning anyone. We'll get that part out of the way. But Ruby ran a channel called Eight Passengers that documented the lives of her husband and six kids over in Utah, and she racked up over 2.5 million followers. But all good things must come to an end, I suppose, right? Well, Ruby was arrested back in August of 2023 after her 12-year-old son turned up at a neighbor's door, emaciated, covered in wounds, with duct tape around his wrists and his ankles. Wait, what? Her business partner, Jody Hildebrand, was also arrested. Now, Ruby later admitted to forcing her son to work outdoors all day in the hot desert sun, depriving him of food and water as punishment. And to prevent him from escaping, she bound his arms and his legs. And, oh, by the way, she also admitted to abusing her nine-year-old daughter by using similarly barbaric methods. 
The 12-year-old boy told investigators his mother would bind him with ropes, and when the restraints cut him, he said he, she would treat the wounds whew, with cayenne pepper. My skin's burning just thinking about this. She also punished one of her other sons by banning him from his bedroom and forcing him to sleep on a living room beanbag for months. She also canceled Christmas one year and threatened to decapitate a daughter's stuffed animals in a twisted method of control. Ruby pled guilty back in December and appeared in court back on February the 20th for her sentencing. She received, get this, 60 years in prison. She was hit with four consecutive sentences of one to 15 years on four counts of child abuse. After her plea in December, the twisted social media star admitted to calling her children evil and possessed as she tortured them for years. Her business partner, Jody, 54, received the same sentence for her part in the abuse. The judge said Hildebrandt had terrorized the children. Now, Ruby has apologized to her children for the horrific way she treated them before her sentencing, but her husband, Kevin, filed for divorce after the arrest and expressed hope that both his wife and Hildebrandt would receive maximum sentences. The husband has said he didn't know about the abuse. He had, been, he had not actually been living at the home for at least a year before the arrest at the urging of Jody Hildebrandt, who he said then cut off contact and communication with his kids. Don't know much more about that part of the story, but basically they kicked him out so they could run this social media thing and terrorize the kids is essentially what's happened. Now, long before her arrest, viewers on her YouTube channel had been sounding alarms over the mom's behavior in her videos. They saw some flags. Many noted that her adolescent children's apparent discomfort at having intimate details of their lives constantly reflected filmed and she refused to stop when they asked her to and that was alarming her disciplinary rhetoric and methods were also flagged neighbors said they were uneasy about the behavior that they witnessed happening next door one neighbor told nbc news days after ruby's arrest everyone is just breathing a collective sigh of relief because we thought they were going to come out of that house with body bags Wow, that really, I mean, this whole story just sounds like the start of a murder podcast, but I'm just so glad the kids are safe. They're with their dad. Um, They are receiving treatment and therapy, and they're safe. That's the important thing. Kids are okay, and they're safe. Some people, man, some people just should not be parents. I'll tell you what. Now, there's also another social media personality that's getting some people upset. His username might have been a clue. Social media influencer Onya Johnson, who is known for his reaction videos on his TikTok page, Angry Angry Reactions, has been arrested for alleged domestic violence. Johnson, 24, was taken into custody in Burbank, California back on the 12th of February at about 11 p.m., according to the Burbank Police Department report. The influencer had allegedly been in a verbal argument that turned physical with a woman in a hotel, according to TMZ. Police revealed to the outlet that the woman didn't need medical attention, but the extent of the woman's relationship with the social media star is unknown. Authorities released Johnson after he posted a $50,000 bail, and he is due to appear in court on March the 5th. Johnson has more than 27.7 million followers on TikTok and an additional 2 million on Instagram. He's known for viral videos where he reacts 
like he's angry. He's, you know, angry reaction. He reacts enraged while he reviews other videos across social media. He's got the friendliest darn face when he's not doing his scowl thing. He looks like a little baby face, but then he scowls and he looks mean. And it, I mean, it's a good gimmick, I guess. The Chicago native began posting his content to his angry reactions TikTok page back in 2020 skyrocketed into fame with the post that he made that year it was so well received on the platform he got over 1 million followers in about 24 hours the video was a duet with a cake maker influencer of the name of at bobby's ray and garnered over 12 million likes it's been viewed over 60 million times since it was posted it's a cute video i've watched it i i actually have watched several of his reaction videos and they're humorous before his rise to fame, Johnson told BuzzFeed he was homeless in Indiana when he created his first video. And when he asked, when he was asked, you know, hey, where did you come up with the idea for this page? And he said, basically, I took how the world sees and made it his online personality. He said, if I pass you on the street and I don't say a word, I look like the angriest person in the world. But when you actually get to know me, I'm actually a pretty positive person. If he is proven guilty of the alleged domestic violence charges, he can face up to two to five years in state prison or a year in county with a fine of up to $10,000. Then Johnson went and posted a video sharing his side of the story. I know y'all been seeing what's going on with me. All the news articles, all the pages posting me, all the comments, all the TikTok videos people making about me destroying my character. I see it just like y'all see it, right? I want to start this video off right. I don't think domestic violence is funny in the slice. I see the comments, right? Oh, angry reactions. Finally had an angry reaction. I get it. Some of y'all is kids and some of y'all just trying to be funny, but this is something that's happening in real life for me. All right? Now, this is a felony case for some reason. So I can't tell y'all too much about what happened, but I'm gonna give y'all the detail I feel like y'all need to know. This was a situation of me getting attacked from a woman and defending myself. I was being attacked by a woman and the slightest bit of defense landed me in jail. Now, I don't know why everything happened the way it did. I don't know why it's a felony case because once the cop showed up, she didn't even want me to go to jail. She was begging them not to take me to jail. But it happened anyway. I don't lost friends. I don't lost endorsements. I don't lost sponsors. I don't lost a lot of things in these past 24 hours, all off of the accusation. Johnson did go on to reiterate further in the video that once again, because it is a felony, there's not a whole lot he can say without getting into too much more legal trouble. So at this point, we really don't know what happened. And it's unfortunately becoming more common for men to be blamed for defending themselves. So unless some, someone comes out with evidence and makes it public, either way, we're just going to have to wait for the hearing in March and the continuation to see if if the charges stick, if he is jailed, what's going on. He is super angry right now. And honestly, okay, so devil's advocate, if what he's saying is true and that he was attacked, then absolutely I, I understand his outrage because it's not fair that he's getting blamed for defending himself against someone who's attacking him. Now, he could also be on um, the other side of devil's advocate. He could be playing it up like, yeah, I was attacked. <laughs> yeah, what? Well, okay, I'm going to blame her even though I'm the one. You know, you know how it goes. You don't know unless there's a video. We can't see what happened. 
So we're going to have to kind of wait and see. It's just really unfortunately. I actually, I found his content entertaining. So it's really sad when you have a, an entertainer that you enjoy that has a legal trouble and you kind of have to, you almost feel like you have to back off a little bit going, I don't know that I want to support, you know, somebody who could be a, a domestic violence abuser. But at the same time, you don't want to become one of those people go, well, you abandoned me when I needed you. It's a rough spot. And I really hope that it wasn't the case that it was a domestic violence thing. Um, I hate to hear the possibility that he was being attacked. Uh, you never want to hear that. So really sad story all around. So we're going to wait and see how this one goes. And I'll report as we have more info. Okay, now our next story. I swear, I feel like this was a repeat story, but no, just a repeat offender. Do y'all remember Zachary Ty Bryan? If you happen to recognize this as the uh, theme song to Home Improvement, you are my people. And yes, that one. He's the one who played Brad Taylor on Home Improvement. Well, Zachary has been arrested again with police records, noting that the 42-year-old was charged over the weekend for alleged contempt of court and alleged felony DUI. According to the Riverside County Sheriff's records, the act was taken into custody on the 17th of February in La Quinta, California, and was transported to the John Benoit Detention Center. His bail was set at $50,000 and $15,000 for the felony DUI and the misdemeanor contempt of court charge, respectively. Al Bryan was released, released later that day, and he's due in court uh, at the Indio Larson Justice Center on the 24th of April. This arrest marks just the latest in a recent line of legal troubles for this guy. He pled guilty to felony assault in the fourth degree. He was sentenced to seven days in jail, which his attorney said he's already served that back in October. He was arrested in July following police response to alleged physical conflict in Eugene, Oregon, and was booked on multiple charges, so he was later released. The, he was also previously arrested back in 2020 for assault against his ex-girlfriend, Johnny Faye Cartwright, before pleading guilty to misdemeanors for menacing and assault. That is quite a rap sheet that he is getting. I mean, how old was he again? 42? He's still so young for this crap. It's really sad to see him spiral like this. Now, while that arrest didn't really super surprise me that much, I mean, we did cover his last arrest on the show, but our next contestant, I didn't see this one coming. John Wick Chapter 4 star Bill Skarsgård has been sentenced after he was arrested and charged with drug possession in his native Sweden. Per TMZ, Skarsgård, who is also known for starring as Pennywise the Dancing Clown in the It Horror Film franchise, was booked for drug possession back in October following an incident at the Arlanda Airport in his hometown of Stockholm. The acclaimed actor reportedly had 2.43 grams of cannabis on him, according to law enforcement sources familiar with the case. Skarsgård did plead guilty to the possession charge and submitted paperwork to the local court where he was being tried, and he was sentenced back on February the 14th. As a result, the 33-year-old actor escaped jail time, probation, and parole, receiving just a fine of 40,000 Swedish krona, which is the equivalent of just over $3,800 in U.S. Skarsgård has yet to comment on his legal situation. You come here 
thinking there is a way out of this world for you, Mr. Wick. There is not. Fans might remember that in Chapter 4, Skarsgård played the chief antagonist and top man in the high table, Marquis Vincent de Gramont, a.k.a. the Marquis, who had John Wick battle worldwide to secure his freedom from the group. Skarsgård received solid reviews for his performance as the Marquis, who, um, spoiler alert, uh, uh, meets his demise near the end of Chapter 4. Following a do-or-die showdown with Wick, though Wick seemingly dies from his wounds after the fact. This ambiguous ending to the most recent John Wick sequel left the door open for a shock return of the assassin in John Wick 5, which, surprise, is in development at Lionsgate. And in more legal trouble Hollywood news, Barry Tubb, the actor who played flyboy Leonard Wolfman Wolf back in the 1986 movie Top Gun, is now suing the studio over what he says is the unauthorized use of his likeness in the hit 2022 sequel. In the complaint that was filed back on the 21st of February in California court and obtained by Entertainment Weekly, Tubb claimed his permission to use his likeness did not include the use of his image in the sequel. Now, the scene in question features Hangman, played by Glenn Powell, and Coyote, who is Greg Tarzan Davis. First learning that character Rooster Bradshaw, played by Miles Teller, is actually the son of the late Goose, played by Anthony Edwards, when they came upon this old photo of Iceman, Val Kilmer, Goose Maverick, who is Tom Cruise, and the Wolfman. Per the complaint, the image is a four-shot close-up clearly establishing the plaintiff and Tubbs's likeness in the scene is essential in a way that is not incidental. Furthermore, Tubbs's photo is actually an altered version of a behind-the-scenes shot of the original actors and therefore the alterations destroyed any purported copyright to the image. Tubbs's complaint asserts that the studio never sought consent or authority to use his image for any purpose in Top Gun Maverick and the original contract signed by the plaintiff and Paramount didn't even contemplate the use of his image beyond the original Top Gun or in promotions related to Top Gun Maverick, a sequel that was not even contemplated at the time of the original contract. It wasn't even released until 2022, four decades after the original. And it continues and said the plaintiff never agreed to Paramount's use of his image, likeness, and or identity in the movie Top Gun Maverick. Now, Paramount's conduct is therefore misleading, deceptive by falsely and fraudulently representing that plaintiff is somehow affiliated with Top Gun Maverick, was contracted to perform in Maverick, or was hired to promote, advertise, market, or endorse Maverick on behalf of Paramount. Now, Tub is seeking unspecified compensatory and punitive damages and is also demanding a trial by jury. Now, Hollywood has had to deal with a similar case before. The most infamous one involved Crispin Glover back in the 1980s. He starred as George McFly in the 1985 blockbuster Back to the Future, playing the father character to Marty, played by Michael J. Fox. Now, here comes Back to the Future 2, the sequel. And due to disagreements and a salary dispute, and there was a little more to it, Glover didn't return for either Back to the Future 2 or 3. And his role was taken over by Jeffrey Weissman. Okay, no big deal, right? I mean, roles have been recast so many times before in the past. But the problem stemmed from the fact that in order to make the story and the filming seamless, Weissman was fitted with a false chin, nose, and cheekbones, had various concealing methods done, 
in order to mix new footage with old footage, and it gave the impression that Glover himself had performed for the film. Honestly, if you didn't know what to look for, you would never see it. It was done really well. He successfully sued the producers on the grounds that they had used his likeness without permission, as well as not having paid him for the reuse of the footage from the original film. They resolved that case out of court, and Glover was awarded a reported $760,000. So that being said, I know it's not an exact case repeat, but using likeness without permission. Is Barry Tubb looking for something similar? Um, And it's kind of a, to me, it's kind of like, okay, so they used your picture in the scene of a movie. Why does that have your panties in a twist? I mean, okay, so is it just that you didn't get permission and you didn't get paid for your picture to be on there? I mean, I could see, hey, y'all used my picture from this 1980s movie. Um, I'd like to be compensated for y'all using my image and my likeness. I could see that. It just, it seems like this is a lot to go through for that couple seconds on on camera. I'm not saying I wouldn't would just let I, that I would just let it go because if I let it go one time, then everybody else is going to start doing it, right? So is it just he wants a little bit of compensation, but he feels like he has to go high to negotiate down to what he really wants? I don't know. I'm I'm gonna look for more information about this one. This one kind of came out of left field. But uh, speaking of um, Top Gun. It has been officially announced that Top Gun 3 is in development and multiple Maverick stars will reportedly be returning for this threequel. According to The Hollywood Reporter, sources indicate that Top Gun Maverick director Joseph Kosinski would be returning to helm the follow-up, with a sequel's co-writer of Aaron Kruger also returning to write the script. Tom Cruise would be reuniting, reuniting with Maverick stars Miles Teller and Glenn Powell in the final sequel. Teller played the son of Goose, Maverick's late wingman, in the sequel, with Powell playing this really arrogant student at Top Gun. Back in July of 2022, I believe it was, Teller said that he would, was having some conversations with Cruz about a follow-up, which, of course, started rumors buzzing. There is no word yet if the other Maverick stars, including John Hamm, Jennifer Connelly, and Danny Ramirez, would be back for the third movie. And there's also no plot details just yet, although we can, you know, making the educated guess that we're probably going to be seeing jets in the air and feeling a little bit of the need for speed. I feel the need, the need for speed. Ow! So also a quick side note, I would absolutely love to see Jennifer Connelly come back, please and thank you. The Hollywood Reporter has reported the film's been in development since last fall, meaning it's not a reaction to the recent news that Cruz has a new deal at Warner Brothers Discovery. This deal is not an exclusive one, but does mean that Cruz will be making new movies with the studio. We're basically kind of getting a Cruz-verse. Top Gun Maverick smashed the box office when it was released back in 2022, and even Steven Spielberg got into the conversation and credited Cruz for saving Hollywood amid the effects of the pandemic the the basically the the whole box office was just crashing i mean 2022 we're we're coming out of the pandemic we're still not completely recovering because studios haven't been able to really produce much of anything and so everything's just really lagging and then here comes 
the the new Top Gun Maverick. We'd been hearing rumors about it. We'd seen a couple of the previews. And it came out, and it was just this huge hit immediately. And I know a lot of it had to do with nostalgia purposes. I mean, some of us uh, older movie fans, I say older like it's a bad thing. You know, we remember the original Top Gun. We still watch the original one. And to see it come back, Cruise is still in really good shape. It's a continuation of a story. And it was there was a lot of nostalgia there, and it really did help save the box office. And it's still not completely recovered, but it's definitely on its way, especially after last year with the Oppenheimer Barbie phenomenon that happened. Well, I'm, I'm really wanting to see what's going to be this year's big movie. Dune 2 is coming out soon. Actually, it's coming out next week. And that one's got a lot of big hype, but hype doesn't always mean success. So I want to be really curious. But in the meantime, here's hoping that Top Gun 3 can be just as good of a story and as big of a juggernaut it would be a really good boost to the the box office but i don't anticipate they haven't given a release date on this one but i'm anticipating we're probably going to see it sometime in 2025 now speaking of juggernauts disney made a huge announcement back on the 20th of february and i'm not really sure how this one's gonna go basically it comes down to this Disney is outsourcing a big piece of its home entertainment division to Sony Pictures Entertainment. Sony is going to manufacture, distribute, and market the Mouse House's DVDs and Blu-ray discs and other physical media. Now, as part of the deal, Sony is going to market, sell, and distribute all of Disney's new releases and catalog titles on physical media to consumers through retailers and distributors in the U.S. and Canada. Disney's going to continue to maintain its own digital media like premium videos on demand. Right now, it's unclear if this is going to result in layoffs at Disney. However, the studio is expected to conduct an internal assessment across all business functions that support physical entertainment amid this transition to Sony, according to sources familiar with the agreement. I'm sorry. That's corporate lingo for it. We're probably going to do layoffs, but we got to figure out who we're cutting. According to Disney, the licensing model is allowing the studio to continue to offer films and TV shows through physical retailers and to respond to consumer demand more efficiently. The company said the shift is consistent with strategies that it has implemented company-wide, as well as transitions in other markets. But whatever the reasoning, physical disc sales have long been in decline And we're not showing any signs of rebounding because of the streaming boom. Revenue for physical media in the U.S. dropped 28% down to $754 million in the first half of 2023 compared to $1.05 billion the previous year. It's projected that 2024 would be the first year that revenue drops below $1 billion and stays there. As a result of this trend companies like best buy have discontinued sales of dvd and blu-ray discs in the store as of earlier this year the move followed netflix's decision last september to stop the dvd by mail service walmart amazon and redbox are among the select major retailers to sell copies of avatar the way of water avengers and other disney blockbusters when Best Buy started doing this whole we're getting rid of the physical media. People were taking pictures. And the pictures were all over the internet of 
these empty DVD racks and shelves, specifically at Best Buy, and they were taking as they're, they're removing the media. I mean, it just, it looked desolate. It looked terrible. With the decline of the physical media market, though, how much can Sony expect to really make with this deal? Is this really a good deal for them? I mean, there's a massive push to go all digital. And that's a fact that some consumers are, honestly, they're pretty cheesed about it. Digital media is marking an end to defined ownership. And there are many, many companies now, specifically gaming companies, I'm looking at you, that are saying, hey, y'all don't own these games if they're not if they're digital copies. You're just borrowing this for a while. And we can revote access at any point and shut down servers. So it started a really big major de debate. And this announcement coming in the middle of that is just, it's very, very, very interesting. So this one I'm, I'm watching. I'm going to see, is this worthwhile or is this just Disney's way of getting out from underneath the, the, the physical media market and sending off to somebody who thinks they can handle it? I don't know. Pure speculation on my part. But you know what else is interesting? Let's go check out the odd news and find out. And now for something different. I have a couple of stories for you today, and I was going to start with a cute, wholesome story, but... Wait! Wait! I changed my mind! Oh! You heard the man. I want to get this one out of the way because it's just... It's really sad. It's infuriating, but it's weird. Okay, so we have a, a mom from Syracuse, Syracuse, New York, and she apparently busted into her daughter's classroom and repeatedly punched her, the teacher in the face, breaking several bones at, as at least 25 kids were looking on. According to police and district attorney Bill Fitzpatrick, they said these are injuries you don't often see even in a boxing match. So you have Lazinia Sutton, 31 years old, who arrived at Lincoln Middle School with her mother, Roxanne Tompkins. And both women attempted to make their way past security. Now, the day prior, Sutton's daughter had told her teacher, my mom will handle this. Apparently, the daughter was disciplined for allegedly lying about her whereabouts during the school day. And the staffer reported a, and made a, an official complaint uh, with the school that afternoon regarding the potential threat. The, then Tompkins, the grandmother of the student, was prevented from entering the next morning. But Sutton, she's four foot ten, had her hood pulled over her head and was able to blend in with the other kids. So just to repeat, y'all, she snuck in with the kids, pulled the hood up and snuck in, headed directly over to her daughter's classroom and repeatedly punched the female teacher in the face while the students were looking on. The victim is described as a dedicated veteran educator. She has a concussion and several broken bones in her face. Fitzpatrick, the district attorney, said she's going to have long-term issues. Her nasal passages were apparently very severely affected by this. Now, Sutton, the mom, was allegedly able to leave the school after the beating, but was later arrested and charged with burglary and assault. The shocking incident spurred the Syracuse City School District Superintendent Anthony Davis, Fitzpatrick, and the police chief, Joe Cecile, to hold a joint press conference. 
Um, and they said when people are dedicated their lives to educating our students, they shouldn't have to worry about this. No, you think? Well, Sutton's mother, Ms. Tompkins, said they were angry with the school because Sutton's daughter was a victim of repeated bullying that went unaddressed. Tompkins told the, the local news she's been slapped, she's been kicked, they've broken her gla- glasses three times, they've broken cell phones twice. We all get from all we get is from the school is, well, what is she doing to provoke this? They made her out to be the problem. And Tompkins said she felt bad for the injured teacher, saying it was never supposed to be that way. She said, I apologize, and I hope she recovers. There's always a better way to handle stuff. And we were going to talk at the school to have a conversation with the school like we have numerous times. The DA's office told the local news that Sutton was released on bond and will appear in court at a later date. The teacher has been released from the hospital and is currently at home recovering. Good God, that poor teacher looked. Unless she was physically, personally assaulting this child, there is no excuse for the mom to come in and start punching. And the fact the mom was able to just slip into the school, just so odd, so weird, such bad behavior. If the child's being bullied, I understand the frustration. You want it to get taken care of. And the grandmother is alleging that that she and the mom were going in to talk to the teacher. Okay, I get that, but is that the right time to do it? You're going in when the other kids are going in? How about make an appointment? How about meeting them in the principal's office? Making an appointment and being there with permission. The fact that you felt you had to sneak in and the, the first thing you do is you go punch the teacher. Is the teacher the one doing the bullying? Or is the teacher's hands tied because she's not seeing anything or the, the administration won't back her up? There's so much we don't know. All we know is that Teacher got hit, mom going to jail. I don't know if that's going to help her daughter or not. Well, let's go ahead and move on to the more pleasant school-related story that we have. Farah O'Byrne is a parent and a PTA member at Clemens Elementary School, and she says she still can't believe her TikTok page has blown up in just a few days. She posted a video from the school showing nearly 2,800 cereal boxes lined up like dominoes, and it now has more than 30 million views, 3.5 million likes, and 200,000 shares. She said, I had like five followers, and now I have 29,000 followers. I don't know what they're going to follow, but here I am. I'm going to do it again, I guess. Now, O'Byrne says that this idea to bring this philanthropic project to Clemens Elementary was inspired by a video that she saw from her friend down in Myrtle Beach. In nine days, the elementary school family stepped up to bring 2,777 cereal boxes. Their goal was 2,000, by the way. It took O'Byrne and volunteers more than five hours to set up the domino display, which stretched from one end of the school to another. And there are spirals, there's towers. You hear plenty of laughs and cheers from the students. O'Byrne said, the kids hauling cereal through the school every day was just absolutely incredible. Grab your spoons and bowls. Let's eat some cereal. We can eat cereals. Run brand with grounded oats. Also, great frosted flakes that help you stay awake. Don't forget Raisin Bran and many other brands. The 7th of March is National Cereal Day. Well, looks like they pulled that stunt off just in time for Cereal Day, right? So what's going to happen to the cereal? Okay, so they, they did this domino thing, so what's the deal? The cereal boxes were then donated to the Clemens Food Pantry. 
The pantry has so many cereal boxes now, they've had to actually stack the overflow in their conference room. According to Mike Sullivan, the executive director of the food pantry, they said 2,700 boxes is going to take us through some three months. Every family that comes for the next three months is guaranteed breakfast. Then I think all of the children, through their excitement, they're going to remember this, and they're going to know what it's like to give back. All right, so that is a very fun and useful project to do, and I was very impressed with how they were able to arrange the boxes, too. That was really cool. I'll drop the link for the picture in the, in the TikTok video as well, because that was really cool, and just for the school to come together. Nine days, almost 3,000 boxes of cereal, and it's all going to the food pantry. That's so awesome. So, quick recap. We are about to see the reunion of Slayer Rock On. Charlie Woods is trying to make his PGA debut. We lost a legend in the world of motocross. Ruby Frank has her sentence from her charges of child abuse. But Zachary Ty Bryan's been arrested again, and apparently Bill Skarsgård did too. Top Gun 3 is on the way. Disney and Sony are now partners. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. I do want to remind you, I include the link to all of my sources in the comments so you can see what I see and more. Also, don't forget to drop us a comment or send us an email if there's a story you want us to cover. Join us next time as we check out the latest in entertainment news. Remember, guys, stay comfy in the starter zone. This is Amanda. Good luck and have fun. You have been listening to The Starter Zone with Amanda. I am Raven. We thank you for your time and support. Without you, we simply would not be. Please hit that like and subscribe button and visit us on Facebook and Twitter at The Starter Zone. Have we missed something? Have something to say? Leave us a comment or send us audio clips for your chance to be on the show. We invite you to come back for more exciting news and commentary on the world around you. See you next time in the Starter Zone.